Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture, and we are really privileged today to have Rick Smith, who has probably one of the more unusual ministries that you are going to hear about ever on the table. So, Rick, I'm going to let you introduce uh, the ministry and 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 what it's focused on, and we'll just go from there. Sure thing. Well, thanks, Dr. Bach, for having me on the Table Podcast. I'm really encouraged by all that you guys do here, and just you. You know, I was I was in your class years ago, so it's really cool to be across the table from you. Um, so, my story basically is. Um, well, let me back up. I'll tell you about the Hope Story. So our ministry is called Hope Story. Uh-huh. And so we have a son with Down syndrome, which we'll talk about a little later. Right. And what your listeners may not know is that about 67% of children prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. Hmm. So let that sink in. Every time mm-hmm. you're out in public and you're at the mall and you see someone with Down syndrome, there's at least two other people that you don't see because their life was taken away from them. Hmm. And so as a believer, you say, hey, how – can I do something about that? How can I help rescue some of those babies that um, whose lives are being stripped away? And so we started an organization called Hope Story. Mm. And the idea from Hope Story is that we want to connect every OBGYN in America mm. to a family raising a child with Down syndrome. Mm. Yes, sir. So, um, and how long – this is a pretty new ministry, I take it? Yeah. So we actually had the idea about six years ago. It's funny. I actually was graduating Dallas Seminary, finished up my THM here, and um, around that time, my wife and I – that was about a little over six – little over five years ago um, – we had this idea about Hope Store, and we bought the domain. I went on staff at a large church here in the area, got comfortable, never really died, never really did anything with Hope Story, and then finally – around December of last year, uh, December of 2017, we started taking steps uh, to make Hope Story reality. And then May 1st of 2018, transitioned off staff at this church. And then now, uh, this, is our, this is our main thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so explain how Hope Story came to came to be. Sure thing. Well, my wife's a pediatrician, mm-hmm. and um, and so she, she's a medical professional. And one thing that people may be surprised to learn is that a lot of medical professionals don't receive training in medical school on how – or not much training on how to deliver a diagnosis like this to a family. Hmm. Um, to top that off, my assumption is most medical professionals don't have a personal relationship with anyone with Down syndrome. So you've got no train, little training, no personal experience, but yet you're delivering this life-changing news to a family. Mm-hmm. And so you think, how in the world can we help these doctors, these medical professionals, and how can we help these families getting this life-changing news? Because Dr. Bach, our, we have a seven-year-old with Down syndrome, and we had a really negative experience. When our child was born, um, our OBGYN left the hospital. She didn't even come in and talk to us. She, she left, mm. came in the next day. One of her first words to us was, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. and then went on to try to prescribe my wife antidepressants. Mm. And so if you can imagine, you know, we, we're, we're fortunate that we have a faith in the triune God, but a lot of people don't, and when your medical professional walks in the room doesn't lead with congratulations, leads with I'm sorry and do you want antidepressants, that affects you. And so we say, hey, how can we help change that? And so we want to solve those two problems. We want to help 
um, train medical professionals, and we want to help medical professionals learn about Down syndrome. And so we want to connect medical professionals to families raising a child with Down syndrome so that when they have a patient that has a Down syndrome, whose child has a Down syndrome diagnosis, they can connect their patient to a parent a little further down the road who can say, hey, you can do this. I've been there. You have a friend in me. So when when this diagnosis was presented to you, um, you said she began with I'm sorry and prescribed with antidepressants. Did she again then go on to explain why it was, or did she still beat around the bush a little bit? No. So what had happened was she left the hospital. Our OBGYN right. left the hospital, and then they told us they were giving our son a bath and. Uh-huh. Hours went by, and yeah. I remember thinking it was our first son. Yeah. I was in seminary. My yeah. wife was in res- medical residency. This wasn't supposed to happen. Th- this sort of thing didn't happen to us. This happened to other people. As a pastor, these ha- this happens to people in your congregation that you go and love on, not right. you. Right. And they kept saying, "We're giving him a bath. We're giving him a bath." What they were doing, they were stalling while they were calling our pediatrician to come to the hospital and break the news to us. Uh. So she came in, told us the news. Uh, so that she didn't have to tell us the news. Huh. Yes, sir. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, so she basically handed the ball off to another doctor. Handed the ball off. And what we want to tell OBGYNs is, hey, this is a – we'll get into this a little yeah. later, but this this is a child. This is a human. Right. Congratulate. Anytime someone has a baby, the appropriate response is – Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of um, how many chromosomes they have, it's a child. It's a human being. And we want doctors to know that's a human. That's a child. And you lead with congrats, not I'm so sorry. So this was something that was discovered, I take it, at with the birth, yes, sir. Postnatally, oh wow, yeah. So we were—we, you can imagine, we yeah. were—we were surprised. I was, uh, you know, Noah was born December fifteenth. So at, in Dallas Seminary world, that's prime time. That's you know, right. it's a busy world. Yeah, and you know that that threw us for a loop. You know, mm. that really threw us for a loop. Hmm. So, uh, so I take it you your ministry might. Uh, I'm maybe oversimplifying. Three levels to it: the parents, the child. And the doctor. Yeah. So we, we really cater to three three folks is medical professionals. We want to help train, resource, and equip them. Parents raising children with Down syndrome. We want to help train and resource them so that they can use their unique story to help other people. And then we want to help families that just received a new diagnosis. And we want them to know uh, you can do this. Uh, there's never been a better time in the history of the world for a child to be born with Down syndrome. The resources that we have today and what we know about them and how to help them. And so medical professionals, parents that have a child with Down syndrome, and then parents receiving a new diagnosis. Those are our three main groups. Interesting. And um, I- I'm assuming, I'm, although I may be wrong, that you have some statistical awareness of how common this this condition is, et cetera? Yeah, so um, there's about 600 children, or 6,000 children born every year with Down syndrome, and there's about 12,000 plus children every year that are that have had a prenatal diagnosis that are aborted. And so that's so 6,000 children that are that are born every year, and then about 12,000 plus that we don't see because their life was taken is away. There, uh, is there a percent? Is that a percentage? Do you know what the percentage is of births that turn out to be Down syndrome? That I, that I don't. I know sixty-seven percent of children prenatally diagnosed are aborted. So you just do the math backwards. The uh-huh. other, you know, twenty, thirty percent, whatever that would be, would be the number of children born. So, um, 
So your situation is a little different in that in that there was no choice to be made because the child was born. No choice to be, but you you and I both know as, as believers right. and knowing that that's a, a child, that wouldn't have changed anything for us. But it does change things for a large majority of people in our culture. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now you were sharing with me earlier a little bit of a story about um, how much pressure some people are put under in the midst of this when it, when there is a prenatal diagnosis, and I take it that's part of what you're concerned about as well. Yeah, so there's a story on our blog, um, a friend of ours who's who we recently met over online who's up in the D.C. area, and we shared a story on her blog, our blog, a Hope Story blog, about uh, when she received her prenatal diagnosis, and I don't think a lot of your listeners or your viewers may even know this happens, but their OBGYN, who's supposed to be an advocate for life based mm-hmm. on the profession they're in, um, asked her several times, you know, is this what you want to do, and implied the option, the alternative would be that you abort your child. And she continued to tell her medical professional, who is the authority figure in the room, this isn't what we want to do. And there was even a point when her husband wasn't in the room that she based the, the medical professional basically cornered her in this room and, and said, are you sure you want to do this? Hmm. And then alluded to the fact that this particular medical professional had an employee on his staff who was very Catholic, whatever that means, and that she aborted her baby. Mm-hmm. And so she basically said, hey, I, she changed OBGYNs. And she mm-hmm. said, "You don't ever imply that to me again. Mm-hmm. And I think people might be surprised to learn that situation isn't uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, women who have this prenatal diagnosis are oftentimes not encouraged by their medical professional to bring this child to full term. And we, in turn, our culture have basically exterminated uh, you know, over half of a population of a people group. Hmm. And it, it, I mean, it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we got to go, how do we reach in and help these children be born? Okay, so how does your ministry work? I mean, uh... yeah. Great question. Yeah. So there's several things that we do. The first is we sign parents up that have a child with Down syndrome. We call those parents Hope Advocates. And so a Hope Advocate will be able to come to our website, hopestory.org, fill out some information. Uh, They'll upload a photo of their child, tell us some information about their child. We send them what's called a Hope Kit. And a Hope Kit has lots of information uh, in there, one of which are these really great cards that we make called Hope Announcements Mm -hmm. that they will give to their OBGYN that basically helps their OBGYN learn about a child with Down syndrome. So it's a picture on the front, on the back, some of the highlights about their about that year. Um, and they'll just they'll go into their OBGYN office during a normal appointment. They don't have to um, you know go go past the secretary or anything. Just when they go in for their normal appointment, they just say, hey, I'm a hope advocate with Hope Story. Um, I have access to training, so we want to train those hope advocates on how to have a tough conversation. Um, and then they give them this card, and they say, hey, this is my son. Um, and then they give them a business card, mm-hmm. and they say, if you ever have a patient that has a Down syndrome diagnosis, you can give them my card 24, 24-7. I'm available to answer my phone and be a resource to your patients. Free of charge to the medical community, I'm a free resource to you. Interesting. So you're providing support to the doctor with almost a, what, a, uh, an empathy group, I guess, or, or, or something like that, so that someone who's facing up to the um, situation can have someone talk their way through, the, through it who's been through it. 
Yeah, because, you know, I think a lot of people, Dr. Bach, are not connected to a church. They're not connected to a community of people. So mm-hmm. when they get this news like this, they don't really have anyone in their life that comes around them through a Christian worldview and says, hey, you can do this. God, I mean, you and I know when something like this happens, God is sovereign over that. God mm-hmm. allowed that to happen, and we can trust his plan. But I think the majority of, the, of our culture – they they consider that oh man this is a mistake this is a problem I've got to fix this problem where mm-hmm. was God in this mm-hmm. and and then they make the the decision that seems right to them which is hey I'm not that far along in my pregnancy because they can detect Down syndrome really nine to twelve weeks along so you probably haven't even told anyone you're pregnant yet and in your rational mind you go I can eliminate this problem so to speak, and then just have it, try to have another child. Interesting. So they can test for this in the early in the early pregnancy and discover that it's that it's coming, which begs the question, how did they not know in your situation? Um, you know, for us, we did not do that testing. Uh-huh. Um, because for us, um, and, and no nothing against anyone that does use prenatal testing because I think there are some some appropriate uses for that. But for us as believers, we said, hey, it's not going to change anything for us. Um, you know, that's our child. That's our our son or our daughter. And so, no matter what happens, we're going to love that child. So, for us, there was just no reason to even do that. So, uh, I'm I'm curious about the testing part of this. Then, so is this a test that you request or that comes and you can refuse? And is it just looking for Down syndrome, or is it just seeing the condition of the developing child? Well, that's a great question. So I think, you know, there are different thoughts on prenatal testing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think what often happens is a couple's pregnant, they they become, the wife becomes pregnant, and the OBGYN presents it as, would you like to know the gender of your baby? So you say, sure, I I would love to know the gender of my baby at 10, 11 weeks along. So I can decide whether to buy blue or pink, Yeah, blue or pink paint. (laughs) But what they often don't lead with is, Uh by the way, Uh we're testing for these quote-unquote abnormalities. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a couple that is really excited to learn if they're having a a Jenny or a Jack, Mm -hmm. but what they may not necessarily be prepared for is when their phone rings and their doctor says, by the way, we also tested for this. And there's a likelihood that your child um, is going to have Down syndrome. And so where where prenatal testing can become useful, one of the ways is, is if you're a believer and you know there's no way in the world this test is going to affect if I have my child or not, and if you do have a child with Down syndrome, it can allow you to prepare. It can right. allow you to prepare for their, any kind of medical things that may need to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say to someone, if you're going to have a prenatal test and there's no way that prenatal test is going to affect that child in the womb, I, I can be okay with that. But if you're getting a prenatal test because you want to eliminate the life in the womb because of mm-hmm. something that test is going to give you, I have a big problem mm-hmm. with, with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, uh, you say you've got a seven-year-old. Is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, and and my guess would be that there are different levels of intensity of Down syndrome. Am I right about that, or is that? Yeah. So I would say you know, like anything, um, there's a there's a range of um, how that affects you. Um, not just 
intellectually, but some children with Down syndrome have heart issues and have to have heart surgery pretty quick upon birth. Mm. Some children with Down syndrome have varying levels of intellectual challenges, um, and so yeah, that can be that can be arranged. But I, which I would tell parents, you know, we, my mom had four boys, and there's a range of us. You know, mm-hmm. any human, there's a range, and and so same applies to a child with Down syndrome. So um, and. And what is it that parents have to prepare for? And let's assume that I get a diagnosis that my child is going to have Down syndrome. Uh, what does that What is that going to demand of the parents? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, you know, and I, here's what I tell: We have three kids, uh, one of which has Down syndrome, and they all have unique challenges and they all have they're all different because they're made in the imago day mm-hmm. and god created each of those individual children with unique personalities unique gifts unique challenges and so I, what i would tell a parent that just received a diagnosis is number one you need to be connected to a local body of, of believers you mm-hmm. need to have not just friends but you need to have you know when you and i say community we don't mean they get all their they get their truth from Oprah. You know yeah, what we mean yeah. is, man, they go. God's word is their guide, and and so you want friends around you that are going to go. Hey, let me point you to God's word, because we know God can see you through this. We know God's going to get you through it. So number one, you want a good group of friends who are rooted in God's word, and mm-hmm. and that's their guide. But then two, um, I think you want another. You know, you want. If you're in a town where that town has a local Down syndrome organization, it's helpful to be be connected to that group that can help you kind of navigate. Because your child's probably going to need physical therapy, speech therapy, mm-hmm. occupational therapy, and so you're going to want to know, you know, what are the options in your local community to, to you know help your child with that, and then schooling, things like that. But one day at a time, you know, you don't have to worry about what's my child going to do in high school when they're a newborn. Just take it one day. You know, someone we know, a wise man said that don't worry about tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's mm-hmm. got enough trouble of its own. So just take it one day at a time. But you do want community around you, people around you um, who, who can encourage you with the truths of God's word when life gets difficult. So support is very, very important in in dealing with um, the help that really you're going to need in 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 uh, in dealing with this. Is is there? Uh, is there counseling supplied through your ministry, or is it is it strictly a connection and and group kind of um, association? Yeah, that's a great question. So our um, you know our our number one goal is to really help families that are receiving this prenatal diagnosis, and so most major cities have a local. Down syndrome organization. So in Dallas, it's the Down Syndrome Guild of Dallas. And mm. most major cities have a local organization. Mm. And so for us, we don't want to be the local support group. Um, we we want to, I mean, candidly, get babies out of the womb and, and to be mm-hmm. born. And so what we want to really do is, is even really help, even, even come alongside local groups and say, hey, your customers, so to speak, are families of children with Down syndrome, but about 60% plus of your customer base never make it out of the womb. So we want to come into your community, help train your parents, help equip your parents, uh, because it is appropriate to train and equip them because if you're – my friend here, John Dyer, that works at the seminary, he was the first person I called Hmm. um, when we found out Noah had Down syndrome. And I remember going in the hallway out in the little lobby area, picking up the phone. He answered the phone. 
And John had no idea. He he all he knew is we were going in to deliver a baby. So he answers the phone, hey, and I'm on the other end bawling. And and so John, I mean, he he loved me the best he can, but what we want to try to do is help equip people that when your phone rings, what do you say to someone on the other end and kind of walk them through? And then we want to help hand those parents off to a local support group, support organization who can walk with them as their child grows up. So the local support organization will be the people who have the counselors and that kind of thing? Uh, well, or, I don't know that you Or need, do they refer? Well, I don't know. I mean, we never went to counseling. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I don't – I personally, I think, you know – if you're, you know, there was no counseling we needed for us. I mean, you know, as far as getting us through. I mean, for us, when Noah was born, um, we just said, "Hey, let's roll with this." I mean, this is what God, God's sovereign. God, and not only is He sovereign, but He's good, and everything that He puts into our life is for our good and His glory. And so, when this happened, yeah, it was it was a surprise, but also our faith as believers said, "Hey, we can trust God in this," and and so let's roll and let's see what God's got in store and so yes sir so um and and how does the support for the for the uh physicians work i mean i i, I know you've got these hope advocates uh is there anything else that, that gets done for them that yeah. is part of the ministry yeah so when a hope advocate goes into the local their obgyn some of the materials they give them is a how to deliver a Down syndrome diagnosis document that we're going to put together. On the back is preferred language. Hmm. And so we want to help train – because, you know, an OBGYN probably only gives that diagnosis zero to maybe two times a year. So it's not a common thing. Right. So we want to help them um, with, hey, here's some language to use. Here's how to deliver that news. For instance, very typical, very basic things like – you want to say congratulations, not I'm sorry. And it's not a knock on OBGYNs. They may, and even in the Christian community, we may just not know what to say to a friend in our own life who had a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Do you get a thank you card or do you get a I'm sorry card or do you get a congratulations card? Hmm. And, yes, yeah, congratulations is always in order when a life is born. Hmm. So um, so your wife, you said, is, is a – well, she was training to be a doctor. Am I right? She's about a pediatrician She's here a in the pediatrician. area. Yep. So, so she knew what she was dealing with. Yes, I did not. I, mm-hmm. I remember actually saying to Abby when Noah was born. This is horrible, but I, I we have a somewhat special need, so we can say mm-hmm. this. But I said, is, you know, is he going to be like Christopher Reeves? Mm-hmm. And she said, Christopher Reeves fell off a horse, mm-hmm. Rick. And I kind of chuckled. And it was I just didn't know. I had no experience with anyone with Down syndrome other than. Corky on Life Goes On hmm. from years ago, hmm. and I mean I just didn't really I, mean, I didn't know anything, and um, and so as we wa- I mean I had questions you know was Noah you know every dad has these dreams of what their child's going to be like right you're going to be in the mm-hmm. in the front yard throwing the playing catch with your boy and right. I like to go to New York City and you're going to take your boy to New York City and I remember wondering is Noah going to do all these things is he going to do all these things that a dad longs to do with his son, and um, and so yeah, I mean, I, I, those were some of my initial thoughts. And as Noah grew up and has continued to grow up, those concerns have have vanished because Noah Noah has a lot more in common with every other kid than than things that are different. Hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. 
how did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. So, um... Uh, this may seem like an odd question, but I think it makes sense. Um, uh, what 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 advice do you give to people who are friends of people with Down syndrome? I mean, because that's I, I can see that being an awkward situation in some ways. Family get-togethers, that kind of thing. What kind of, what kind of what kind of advice do you give to people who who know people with Down syndrome? Thank you for that question, I, because I think that's a, um, I think that's just a normal question to ask, yeah. right? Because if you've never been around anyone with Down syndrome before, and you're at a function, and there's someone with Down syndrome, what's appropriate? What's acceptable? And here's what I'd say is. A family that has a child with Down syndrome, or really any disability, they don't mind talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think an appropriate thing for anyone watching this, whether it be a friend, family member, or just a pastor at a church that has someone in their congregation that has someone with a disability, is just ask. You know, find their parents or or them, depending on, you know, so, some people with special needs can vocalize more than others. But just ask, hey, tell me about what it's like raising a child with Down syndrome. Tell me about what your day-to-day is like. Tell me about how this changes things in your family dynamic. Um, and then, you know, we have a we have a community group through our church, and we're with them a lot. And it's really great to see the way that their family, their children interact with Noah. And they just treat him like like one of the other kids. Hmm. And um, Noah's in public school, and it's re- it's been really great to see the way that children treat Noah, invite him to birthday parties. And so treat them just like any other child um, and, you know, and then ask their parents. Don't be afraid to ask, hey, tell me about Down syndrome. You know, and that, it, encourages, it would encourage me if someone was to say, hey, I don't know anything about Down syndrome. Tell me what that's like raising a child with Down syndrome. What kind of, what kind of challenges does Noah have? And, and let me talk about them. So, um, so if someone wanted to know about your ministry, where would they find out about it? Yep. So Hope Story, that's mm-hmm. our website, hopestory.org. And then also on our Facebook page, we have a Facebook page, which is Hope Story, Twitter, Instagram. We have a newsletter that they can sign up for. They can send me an email, rick at hopestory.org, if they're interested in learning more. Uh, if you're a family of a child with Down syndrome, if you're a medical professional watching this, or um, if you're a church, you know, that is, is curious about how does our church love and care for people with special needs, you know, we have, a, we have a child with special needs, and I think our church does a really good job at helping those kids become part of the body. Hmm. And, you know, they can shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to them more about that, too. And uh, so so what is your ministry day like? I mean, how does, it, how does, how does your ministry roll? Man, that's a great question, Dr. Bach. So, we, so I was on staff at a, at a mega church in Dallas. We were talking about this before the, we started filming and was there for over five years. And then now, you know, we're bootstrapping this. You know, we're fundraising and all those things. And so, um, 
You know, it's a completely different animal because when you're on staff at a, at a large church, there's so many resources, other, other folks on your team. Uh, and when you're starting a new organization, you know, I'm working out of my house. And, uh, you know, I might have my four-year-old in the living room while I'm trying to work on a well, MailChimp. That lowers the overhead for the operation. Yeah, it lowers the overhead. <laughs> my, my, my office is the, D, the DTS library over here, you know. I, I was just in there before we started filming, and it said, what are you here for? And I, it was like a blank, and I was like working, you know, <laughs> getting some work done yeah. on your free Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, but, no, you know what? We're, we're starting out. So, um, you know, I'm doing pretty much – Everything. So, mm-hmm. sending an email. I mean, we have a, a we have a board of directors and some other folks that are helping out. But day to day stuff, I'm the guy. And so, it's sending emails, or it could be talking to an organization that that we want to you know possibly work with or, or do some things with. Um, and so, it just I mean, you're literally doing. Uh, doing everything, uh, pretty much everything. Um, and so it's not glamorous. You're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. Now, another question that may be pretty transparent given given the topic is, what advice do you give to churches uh, about how to help be a community uh, for people who are in this situation? Yeah, that is – thanks for asking that. Um, and so – Here's here's be my answer is that every single person in your church is made in the image of God. They have value. They have purpose. They they have an ability to serve and contribute to the body. And so you have to look for ways to include those everybody that's a part of your community in your community. So in other words, if you are a church where you take people with special needs and put them in the basement and give them animal cookies and and punch for 45 minutes, that's that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to find a way to include them. At our church, where we go to at Watermark, we have a, a ministry there called Kaleidoscope. And so Noah is in a, a typical classroom with all of his other friends, and we have a but he has a buddy with him that is a you know college age guy or you know he's a buddy with him mm-hmm. that uh, our girl who hangs with him and helps him. Um, helps him when he needs help. Uh, helps him use the helps take him to the bathroom. But Noah is integrated with the other children and integrated with the church body. And as Noah gets older, you know I want Noah part of the church community. I want Noah serving and contributing, um, and I want Noah to be an active member of the church. And so all that to say is, if you're a church, you need to find ways to include them and. It, because really, Dr. Bach, it's I think what we can do sometimes it, unintentionally is say, hey, we're up here. Our IQ might be 100. Someone like Noah's might be 50. Therefore, we're up here and, and Noah's down here, and he's someone that we have to – he's almost like a service project for mm-hmm. us. But it's really – that's really a misnomer because nowhere in the Scripture are you and I the measuring rod of anything. God is the measuring rod. And so compared to God, we're all – intellectually disabled, so to speak. Mm. And so we, we need to not look down at the Noahs of the world as someone who is a ministry project for us, but someone who is our brother and sister in Christ, mm. and say, hey, you're part of the uh, the community of believers here, and so mm-hmm. let's all do this together. Now, um, if your wife were here, what kind of advice do you think she would give to a mother of a Down syndrome child? I think she would say um, first. I gotta say, you know, my wife is, you know, it's important who you marry. You know, <laughs> I think you and I would both say that. Um, the who you marry is important, and um, there's no one 
on earth that I would rather raise a child like Noah with than my wife. I mean, she uh, is so loving and kind. And I think she would just tell moms that um, you can do this, that it's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn the loss of the imaginary child because we all make these kids up in our mind when we're pregnant of what our child's going to be like. And when you have a child like Noah, you have to kind of mourn the loss of that kid that you made up in your mind. Mm -hmm. And so I think she would encourage them, tell them it's okay to cry. The emotions that you feel are normal, and uh, but but you can do this, and you'll love that child like all your other children. You know, Doctor Bach, I remember. Oh, I don't know if I, I. Sometimes you see guys that come speak at a church. They speak in chapel, and they have this really crazy story. And you're sitting there, and you're and they're and they're saying, "This is so great. I wouldn't change anything. God is great." And you're sitting. You know, people have cancer. People have all kind of things. Jo- Johnny Erickson Tata. You know, you mm-hmm. hear her story, and you're thinking, "Does she really mean that? You know, does she really believe God is good? And even in her challenging circumstances." But maybe, especially as a young seminarian, maybe you've never walked through anything like that personally. Mm -hmm. Having a child with Down syndrome, I can say with certainty on the other side of the equation that – on the other side of the counter that that God is good and his plan is good. And and in life, you're going to have curveballs thrown at you. You're going to have – um, things that come out of left field that you never see coming. And in those times, I I can say with certainty – um, God is good. His grace is sufficient for you. And um, and, and all of these curveballs in life, and you know, you're know you further along in the Christian journey than I am, and you, as you look back at the curveballs in your life, you can go, man, God was behind. When I wanted to go right and God had me go left, there was a purpose in that. Hmm. And, and so I can encourage people in that is, man, God knows what he's doing with your story. Um, so, And uh, do you provide – um, support for for the parents. I mean, is that part of what is there? I, mean, I guess what I'm asking is, do you develop like a, a a fellowship group? Might not be the right word, but but some type of support for the parents who have Down syndrome child. Yeah. So two two things for the Hope Advocate. So uh-huh. families that have a child with Down syndrome that sign up and say, Hey, we want to. Um, we, we want to become an advocate. We have a private Facebook group. So already right now, our son Noah has a Facebook page with over a quarter of a million people that like his page. Oh, wow. So he has a very large social media following. Mm-hmm. We also have a, a, a Facebook closed group with thousands more parents, thousands of parents. I say more, but a lot of those parents are overlap, but thousands of parents. And then Hope Advocates will also have access to a private group where they can build community, share pictures, encourage each other. But we really think it's important that you get connected to a group in your local community because we're in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And if you have a child with Down syndrome and you're in New York City, you need some friends in New York City that can sit across the table from you, no pun intended, and 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 get a, grab a meal with you, grab a cup of coffee with you, um, ask you how you're doing. And so as much as I'm a fan of technology and uh, connecting in groups online – there's just something about someone being able to give you a physical hug that technology cannot cannot replace. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's really important that people get connected to a local group in their community and a local church who can come alongside them too. Let's say I have a child with Down syndrome, and I'm I'm just hearing this for the first time and hearing about it. How do they get in contact with you in order to 
in order to gain some of the support and ministry that you provide for people. Yeah. So again, they can just jump on uh, so hopestory.org, um, and when you go there. There's three boxes. It'll say existing parent, medical professional, or just received a diagnosis. So whichever one that describes, they can click on that box. There'll be information there pertinent to them. Mm -hmm. There's a contact form on hopestory.org. I read all those, so those all come to me. So if you click on that, send me a message. Um, If you're a parent of a child with Down syndrome, medical professional, or if you're just passionate about life and you're like, man, I want to learn more about how to get involved, you can go there. Um, Or you can just shoot me an email, rick at hopestory.org, and and we'd love to help you. And if you are listening to this podcast, maybe you come ac- came across it on YouTube or through iTunes, and maybe you just got the news that you're uh, going to have a child with Down syndrome and your OBGYN doesn't have a Hope Advocate, you can come to our website, click on that contact form, and we would love to just follow up with you, um, even if you're in another state, and just try to help you get connected with someone in, in your area, because there are people in your area, because you may feel like I'm all alone. No one knows what I'm going through. But I got to tell you, there are thousands of people that have children, a child with Down syndrome, that want to come around you, help you, support you, encourage you, and and just let you know that you you can do this. Okay, so um, so uh, I'm I'm ac- actually out of questions. Um, uh, anything that we haven't mentioned that's worth mentioning? Um, I think. Yeah, I, so here's one thing that I would say is is the why behind all this. Mm-hmm. You know, why why do we do this? Why are we um, advocating for these children? And I think that's important because I think Christians know that being involved in a pro life movement seems like a really good idea. I think if you were to ask most Christians, "Hey, do you want to help?" save the lives of the unborn, people would say, yeah, I want to do that. But then you look at the ways that Christians typically do that, Dr. Bach, as they go picket abortion clinics or mm-hmm. stand outside places and scream at people. And I think you and I would say that's that's not a really effective way to help people is by screaming at them, throwing bricks through their windows with crosses on them or whatever you might do. I don't know if people really do that. I hope not. (laughs) Maybe at your church. I hope not Uh, too. uh, But that's just not an effective way. We know that relationships are so important, building a relationship with someone. And so we do this because we think helping people build relationships with other people, building relationships with their medical professionals, building relationships with other parents, that's really important. And we believe that every person is created in the image of God, that it doesn't matter because your, your worth, Dr. Bach, isn't tied to what you can do or what your IQ is or what your contribution to society is. Your, your worth and your value comes because you are made in the image of God and you are made in the image of the Imago Dei. No matter how many chromosomes you have, no matter how many limbs you have, your value become, your value is in uh, who who you're made in the image of, which is the image of God. And so for anybody watching this, um, you need to know that every single one of these children, are they are made in the image of God. They have value. They have purpose. And, and they're loved by God. And God also sent his son to die for them and, and, and values them. And so that would kind of be my, my overarching thing is, man, these children – and not just children with Down syndrome, anybody that you see, no matter if they live to be zero days old or a hundred years old, they're made in the image of God and they have value. And it doesn't matter if they're zero, it doesn't matter if they're a hundred and they're in a nursing home somewhere, people have value and, and, and God loves them and cares for them and, and by that, we should too. 
So what you're what I'm hearing you say is is that there is a um, um, this is part of uh, of of loving your neighbor and and God's sense in Scripture is is that people who are needy and people who have needs, people who are often marginalized, are part of um, the people that we should be concerned about in the church. Yeah, we should care about them. And the Scripture also talks about being a voice to those who, who don't have a voice and for speaking up for those who can't speak. And I can't think of any – I can think of very few people who don't have a voice as babies in the womb. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and and when I say children with Down syndrome, you know, there's twelve thousand plus children with Down syndrome aborted every year, prenatally diagnosed with a, with Down syndrome aborted every year. There's thousands and thousands of more children that are just aborted that don't have a prenatal diagnosis. You know, abortion is our nation's one of our nation's worst worst tragedies. Mm-hmm. And I think as believers, we've got to stand up and say, hey, we got to care about these these kids and families. You know, if you have people in your church that that are pregnant, you know, you, your church also should step up and go, hey, I want to help. We're going to help you. We're going to care for you, not just deliver that baby, but when you have that baby, we want to come alongside you, help you, care for you, love you, give you, help you, point you to resources. The journey just started with the birth. The journey just starts with the birth, yeah. 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 What, what, are, what are some of the things you've learned? I mean, you, you've been around this now in your own family for seven years. What are some of the things you've learned as a, as a father and as a parent? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, so again, we have three children, and and I think that um, one is we touched on this earlier, but that that God is so in control of our life, every detail of our life, God is in control of, and He writes a better story for our life than we can ever write. Because I would have, I, I, there was never a day, Doctor Bach, where I sat down, broke out my Bible, broke out my journal, and and said, "Dear Lord." I pray that I would have a child with Down syndrome today. Maybe some people do that. Mm. You're, you got some probably some real spiritual viewers out there, but I, <laughs> I never did that. Yeah. And um, I just never would have prayed for that. And God, in fact, the night we, my wife was going in for a C-section uh, because she had some, some blood pressure issues, and so we knew we were going to go deliver Noah that Saturday, that day. I forgot what day it was. But we went to go eat the night before at a Mexican restaurant. I remember praying and something praying something along the lines like, Thank you, God, that our child's healthy, that our child doesn't have special needs. And and you think about God hearing that prayer and going, Rick, you have no idea what's coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so now our prayer has changed. You know, and our other kids, our prayer was, God, prepare me for whatever you have in store for me. You know, you know, prepare me for whatever my child might bring. And so to answer your question, the number one thing I've learned is God knows what He's doing with our story. We can trust Him. And then number two, that um, parenting a child, you know, parenting, you know, you have you have children, and, and parenting a child is it gives you such a, a small glimpse of God's love for us. You know, when you see your children, you want them to be happy, and you want to give them good gifts and good things. You also have to discipline them. And um, and you think about a loving father for us. You know, he loves mm-hmm. us. He has to, sometimes has to discipline us, um, but he delights in giving us good things, and, and he cares for us. And so I think it's a there's such a model of God's love for us that comes through comes through parenting. You know, one of the questions that strikes me uh, as being a natural one is how did uh, you have older or younger kids in relationship to Noah? Younger, younger. So. Um, 
That's even more interesting in some ways. So I was going to ask, how do you help the the kid? I mean, I I know kids oftentimes have an instinct of being helpful, particularly if they're older kids. I'm familiar with other families who have either Down syndrome kids or other kids with medical condi- conditions that uh, that impact the way in which um, the family functions. And and so, uh, what have what have you done with your? How much younger are your kids, first of all? And then, what have you done to help them understand what's going on? Yeah, so we have a four year old. Um, we have a four year old, and then we have um, like a 10, 10 month old. He'll yeah. be he'll be one in October. So it's too early for him in some ways. Yeah, but it's interesting. So our four year old is is you know he hears us talk about you know, he hears us saying things, and the, and so the other day he said. You know, you know, I was asking him like, "Hey, sometimes is it hard for you to understand your brother?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he said, "You know, when when am I going to have?" I said, "Well, Noah has Down syndrome." And he said, "Well, when am I going to have Down syndrome?" And I said, "Well, you're not going to have Down syndrome." And um, so I think we're trying to help him understand. And I think he's, you know, he's four, but I, I think yeah. helping him understand, hey, your brother is is does have some things that are unique to him, mm-hmm. but. Noah also has more things in common with you than he has things that are different. And what's been really cool is the relationship that Jackson, that's our four-year-old, mm-hmm. has with Noah, our seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. They really have formed a special bond, hmm. and Jackson will help him. Jackson will play with him. And um, so so it really has been a special bond. And what I hope, Dr. Bach, happens is that by having a brother with Down syndrome, that that will affect – the way our other two sons interact with people when they get older, that they'll have a sensitivity mm-hmm. maybe that I didn't have, or um, you know, I hope I hope that affects the way they see other people as, hey, even if you're a little different than me or unique to me, God loves you, God cares for you, and you have purpose and you have value, and I hope I hope they are changed by having a you know, someone in their life that has uh, Down syndrome or special needs like like Noah. Yeah, the families that I've seen where there are older kids involved, um, it is amazing the um, adaptability that the siblings bring to the to the family, and in many cases, the way in which they're able to contribute uh, support uh, to the family in the process. It's, it's it's an amazing thing to see in many ways, and. Uh, it, there is that special bond that oftentimes does develop um, for the for the child who who uh, who's in some ways having to sacrifice because of the amount of energy that sometimes it takes to care for someone who has special needs. So, um, well, Rick, I want to thank you for coming in and talking with us about this. I, you know, I it's not a common topic yeah. for sure, uh, but we really appreciate, one, the nature of your ministry and what you're seeking to do, and, and secondly, for taking the time with us to help us uh, understand a little bit about, about what it's like to raise a child with Down syndrome and, and the way in which you're trying to help other people understand what that journey is like. Well, thanks for making time to talk about this this important topic. I really appreciate you giving us a platform to, to do so. Glad to do it. And we're glad you could be with us on the table, and we hope to uh, see you again soon. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.